Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like the earth. It'll swallow you whole if you're not taking good care of it. Today on the show, we are talking about Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. It's essentially a description of what this is uh, for you to help understand where you are in your life and what may be causing uh, chronic stress in your life because you might not have basic needs that are being met, right? So we're going to talk about all of that and help you identify some of those things that could uh, help you move forward in a lovely, helpful way here on Dopamine. Let's hit the button and do the thing. Drums, Hello friends, say note here, it's good to be back, I'm excited, I haven't recorded in a few weeks. And uh, it just feels good to be back. It's good to be here. It's good to be here with you in your car. Not actually in your car. I don't want to freak you out. You don't have to look into the back seat and wonder if someone's with you and stalking you. Though in spirit, I'm there. I'm like a ghost in your back seat, talking to you through your speakers. Because that's the only way I can communicate as a ghost is through speakers. So I'm here helping you out and doing that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> or if you're, uh, on a run or you're at the gym doing your thing, uh, thanks for being here. I appreciate you as a listener. It's really rad to be able to do this. So thank you so much for this opportunity and, uh, thank you to existence for creating this possibility as well. I got to turn up the game. There we go. Yay. <laughs> for creating this possibility as well. Cause that's pretty damn incredible that we can just, uh, sign up for a podcast and, and uh, start talking about things. I mean, it's tricky to make it interesting, but hey, whatever. That's what practice and charisma and time uh, takes. So <laughs> that's the whole deal. Uh, so today, yeah, I wanted to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I want to talk about it because I've been doing uh, profiler coaching with Personality Hacker. They're really amazing for helping with not only using Myers-Briggs for personal growth and profiling and helping people, but, uh, they just teach so much. They have so much about coaching and, uh, how you can really take multiple maps and models and really help people and really, um, put your best foot forward to, uh, help society in whatever way that you have a strength in. Right. And one of these, uh, models that has come up in recent coaching, that's kind of reminded me that it's important to talk about and reminded me that I haven't done a specific episode on it yet is Maslow's hierarchy of needs and Maslow's hierarchy of needs is this beautiful, very basic model that helps anyone and everyone understand some of the challenges that we face as people every single day. And some of the things that we need to consider every single day and often illustrate or become a major key component in a lot of the decisions that we make in life any of the reasons that we have to get a, we feel like we want to get a job or uh, seek sexual pleasure or seek a partner or um, seek confidence, achievement, self-esteem, you know, and uh, feeling a sense of creativity, things like that. All of that is described in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. 
and described in a way that helps us understand how we kind of need to work through sort of each level to get to the next level. And in some way, shape or form, you know, it starts at the bottom in the bottom of this pyramid, which it's in pyramid form. And, um, I will create a graphic and put it on our Instagram page. So Instagram.com slash dopamine podcast, D O P E A M I N E podcast. And, um, if you don't know how to spell podcast, then I don't, I don't know what to do, um, with you. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, this is essentially a uh, triangular model. It's a pyramid and it's a hierarchy. So it is a vertical model and it's a way for you to understand uh, that the, how you need to basically have the base layer of the pyramid so that you can build upon it. So it really starts with the absolute base level of needs, which are physiological needs, a personal sense of security and safety. And that means having enough air to breathe, having food, having water, sleep, uh, some sense of homeostasis and, uh, being able to, you know, excrete what you need to excrete. <laughs> and then there's sex. And what's really interesting is that we don't always think of sex as a basic biological need, but if you think about it in particularly with the, the male side of things, uh, you know, we need to make that happen physiologically in order to a have some sort of reproductive situation going on because that's a very basic need that humans have um b there is the mental physiological uh response to orgasm essentially and then there is the uh the the it's not really the connective piece because it is physiological but there is a uh for men if you're not uh, clearing the pipes, so to speak, then that can lead to all sorts of, uh, issues in the future. So that needs to be handled, uh, you know, uh, one way or another. And, um, that's a very basic physiological need. So physiological needs include, you know, again, breathing, food, water, sex, sleep, homeostasis, and some form of excretion, the ability to get all the stuff out of you that you need to get out of you, right? So making sure that your physical needs are absolutely met. So those are imperative. And a lot of us in the modern world can take that for granted and not consider that can, that that can be an absolute major stressor. If you are missing out on sleep and sex in particular, you know, those two things are probably the things that feel the most subjective on this list. And, subjective because we have a lot of weird morality around sex and there's a lot of misconceptions about sleep science and sleep culture and, and sleep culture, sleep culture, a thing. I don't know. I guess I, I don't like putting culture at the end of everything and I just did it, <laughs> but, um, but you know, there's a, I guess, um, what I was trying to say was like hustle culture sometimes, or some of the unhealthy aspects of hustle culture and, uh, the idea that you have to, you know, sleep less and work more, that kind of thing. Like some of the most successful people in the world, make sure that they get eight hours of sleep, you know? So making sure that you're getting sleep so that your, your brain can get into uh, that positive place of being able to coalesce all of the things that you need to coalesce so that you can wake up refreshed and, you know, go handle your shit. Right. So, uh, and making sure that you're getting enough water and getting enough food and eating the right food and eating good food, right? 
So those are basic physiological needs. And at any point you're not meeting those needs, that could put you at the bottom of stress. And you can't really build upon that if you are not taking care of yourself in the way that you need to take care of yourself. So it's really easy to dismiss that because we live in a very cushy life where even if you're broke, which I'm, I'm broke, I'm less than broke right now. And I'm still, I have shelter. I still have, um, which is part of the next sense of safety, but I, I have access to food. I have access to water. I have a tap, right? I have a partner. I've got access to sex. I've got uh, a bed to sleep in or a couch or a floor. <laughs> and, um, um, I have opportunities to get into, uh, homeostasis and I've got a toilet. I can poop like no problem. <laughs> and, uh, I've got air to breathe, you know, and like all of my basic needs are met. So if there was at any point that I was struggling to get any of those needs met, then it becomes very physiologically distracting, especially if you're an intuitive type in the Myers-Briggs system, it's going to be very easy to ignore your physical needs. And if you're ignoring those physical needs, then you need to explore that and find ways to make sure that you're getting those things taken care of. So things like food and water or, or breathing and water are some of the most basic needs that we're not having to think about too much unless it's like, I don't drink enough water. Like you have access to water. That's, you you know, you're good, <laughs> but making sure you're drinking enough so that you're healthy is, is good. So, um, you know, don't take that for granted. That is your very, very basic level of needs. And those are very important things for you to be, uh, considering before you apply anything else on top of that. So, Another thing to consider is the next sort of level up here is the safety and security piece. And that is security of your body, security of a sense of employment or, or having a consistent income and consistent in, uh, access to resources. Um, you know, safety of a sense of morality, of family, of health and, or, and of property, right? So having, uh, having, you think about kids, kids often are really trying to explore their sense of possessions a lot, right? Kids are always trying to figure out how they can, they're, they're always like mine. No, this is mine. Even though like I can hand them uh, a figure that is mine, that is actually mine in the room and, or I can hand them a controller or something and they'd be like, no, this is my controller, right? <laughs> there's a, there's, they're desiring, desiring a safe, sense of personal safety by having property that they're, that they own, right? Kids are always feeling that they need to feel a sense of ownership with their toys, with their things. And often kids will feel a personal sense of generosity with the things that they have after they feel a sense of ownership, Right. And, and that is because they have that sense met, that sense of safety met of personal property. So with that comes the next level, which is friendship, family and sexual intimacy and the intimacy of of and sexual means it doesn't necessarily just mean sex. Sex is, again, a basic need, but intimacy in the sense of caring for someone and really giving your, your love and attention. So in the case, again, of like kids who have the uh, possessiveness over stuff and feeling a sense of ownership that once they feel that sense of ownership, once they, once they feel that sense of safety of personal safety of like, this is mine, then they feel that sense of loving and belonging and wanting to share that. And they end up sharing their stuff with their friends because now they feel safe and secure to do that. Like now they feel like, okay, I can lend this to my friend 
and I know I'm going to get it back because <laughs> there's a sense of security with that. But they're also feeling generous and open and loving, right? That's something that's that's a really short example of how the the levels kind of mix together. But we're going to go into love and loving, loving love and belonging after this while we go through the safety piece. So there's a lot of elements in the safety piece, right? A sense of safety includes the physiological needs. It includes a physical security of your body that you have no physical threats in your environment, you know, that there could not be a cheetah around the corner trying to get you, or that um, you have a physical safety of health in your life that, um, that, that you're, you know, you go to the doctor or something like that, or you know that you don't have cancer, or you know that you're breathing well, and that you are exercising and you can take care of yourself and all of that stuff. So some sense of physical safety of health of knowing that you're right now in this moment, you're a healthy person and you can do plenty of things, right. Um, of, uh, safety of family and knowing that people have your back, right. It's not necessarily the same as just loving and love and belonging, but the idea of like, you have, uh, you have access to family who are going to shield you in some way, shape or form. You know, I have my family that, when things get financially in really, really bad places, like if I absolutely need them, they've got my back. And, um, you know, I could go live at home if I want to in Philly. And there's a sense of security there that even though that's something I don't, don't want to abuse or that is not a right fit for my life at the moment, that worst case scenario, I could go back home if I really, really needed to. And there is a sense of security and safety there with that sort of notion and I think a lot of us, um, you know, have that piece, but if we don't and our parents aren't alive anymore, or we have no access to our family, then finding some sort of selective family to have that sort of vibe with people that you can trust in, you know, some of the most difficult situations in your life, that's a personal sense of safety when it comes to family and the same with morality within your own uh, moral code and rule sets, you know, and the same thing that kind of shares with family as well, sort of this sense that like the people that you're spending time with, you know, that they're not going to stab you, right. <laughs> or that, that you have a personal ethical code that is not going to put you in danger. Right. So you are, you know, agreeing to not steal or agreeing to not, uh, hurt someone or anything that because of your actions could end up putting you in danger as a result of that. Right. So personal moral code in some shape or form typically comes after physiological needs, because if your physiological needs are not met, if you're not getting enough air, you're not getting enough food, you're not getting enough water, sex, sleep, etc., then you are more likely to ignore your moral code in order to get those things. That is often why there is a lot of crime in relation to theft and, um, crimes of, you know, in relation to sex, because there's a personal perception of that need that's going unmet. Um, I, was, uh, I don't know if there's crimes related to sleep, but you know, you get the idea that if you're, if, if, for instance, if you could, you could have the, you can have the most loving person in your life, right? But if that person is choking you up against a wall and you can't breathe anymore, then you are going to hurt them in, as, as part of the lowest possible rung of your physiological needs in order to let, get them to let go of you. Right. At that point, every sense of personal safety of family of morality of everything goes out the window and you need to take care of yourself. 
first and foremost, right? So if you were denying your dog food and denying your dog air, denying your dog water, anything like that, then they are more likely to turn on you. And, you know, I think, again, because of the modern world and the fact that we have access to so many resources, we sort of take that for granted. The fact that dogs and cats can be loyal to us, though they express it in different ways, they can be very loyal to us because we are able to meet their needs. And to meet their needs, you know, kind of makes them uh, creatures that utilize the, or are able to access their personal sense of love and belonging and that expression to you because their basic needs are met. So again, if you're not meeting those needs, they're more likely to to snap at you or to be upset in some sort of way because animals also have, um, you know, emotions and stuff, which I've talked about in an episode with a, a guest of mine. Uh, if you, if you just type in animals while you search, that's like the only episode I've talked about animals on this podcast. So, um, that's something you can go check out. Um, what else haven't I talked about yet? Um, safety of resources and of employment. And, uh, you know, safety of resources and, and knowing that you've got enough food in your fridge. You've got enough um, access to water and you've got all the things that you need in this very moment. Or at least the next week or something that's whatever is going to make you feel good about that. I think everyone's expression of that's going to be a little bit differently. Uh, a little bit different. But... Um, you know, if you can channel yourself and your energy to be more present, then you can really focus about just having the minimum amount of resources that you need and be able to move forward. It's kind of what minimalism is in a lot of ways is being able to manage your resources and, and have less so that you can sort of ascend through this hierarchy a little bit more easily. And some people have greater stresses around resources. They need to accumulate a lot. I'm sure like doomsday preppers are like the people that feel like they need to amass more and more resources and don't feel personally satisfied um, unless they, they have that met. Right. And um, you know, at some point you need to kind of set some sort of uh, some sort of um, trigger to know where that end line is like, you know, understanding like in this moment, how many resources do I absolutely need and have? Right. So, um, and the next one's of employment of some kind. And that for me is kind of where I find the most stressor in my life right now is this sense of inconsistency of money because of my self-employment status. So being self-employed is, um, an absolute challenge that makes it difficult to amass resources and um, feel that sense of security when it comes to resources and employment. So that's kind of where I'm at with my stressors right now. And it makes anything above that very difficult to access, unless that's something you can subvert in the moment, which I can do. But uh, in the bigger picture, anytime I think about, honestly, anything like a week ahead or later, I get very stressed out about resources and employment, and it drags me down all the way down to the safety and security piece of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So it's really interesting because another thing to kind of consider as we're talking about this is the fact that you can sort of slide through each rung, you know, moment to moment. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're living in this space perpetually, right? You could lose your job at any point and be thrusted down to safety and security, right? You could have something devastating happen to your family or your personal sense of health. And that, again, will take you down to the second tier there of safety and security and having to deal with that stress and sort of rebuild 
where you're in a situation where uh, like the power has gone out in your um, in your situation in your city for a long period of time. Like I think about the blackout in New York city that happened recently. And while it wasn't a very long time that that happened, I think it was less than a day or maybe it was a day or two where that blackout happened. And there was a lot of stories about like, Oh yeah, New York city, you know, people get together. They're great. They're having a good time. And I think that's because a lot of people who are in New York city are, you know, are living in the loving and belonging space and above and unless you're already, <laughs> they haven't been in a place where they've had to deal with the stress of safety and security for too long, right? Since we're kind of living in the modern world, we sort of, again, have gotten adjusted to the ability to have access to things and not take those things for granted in terms of like food and water and stuff like that. But as soon as we, our threshold uh, exhausts for uh, needing food and water, particularly water, because we can only last three days without water, um, we will start to freak out. And I imagine the entire city would start to freak out on each other uh, if their physiological needs were not being met, right? You think of movies like The Purge and stuff and all of those kind of Graves 3 sort of situations where um, and the Graves model is uh, some, an extension of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're not familiar, I did an episode on that as well. Um, but the, you get this sort of like situation where there's a sense of anarchy and anarchy is this idea of like, there's a lot of individual needs that are just like everyone's fighting for resources, right? So if you're fighting re for resources is like, you're assuming that there's not enough and you're not getting enough water. You're not getting all the things that you need, right? So I'm going to move into the love and belonging piece, which is about friendship, family, and sexual intimacy. We're going to take a quick break and we will get into that next. I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets, all that and much more. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca wherever you get your podcasts. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. Psst.
Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.